This is BFWB, Booze and Facts with Blacks, where we sip as we flip some topics on their heads to expose the Black perspective. Be warned, the more we sip, we may let slip some naughty words. This isn't for kids, neither is alcohol. So if you're not 21, we probably aren't the right podcast for you. Are you ready? Come on in. Love it. I think I have enough of my glass <laughs> to begin. <laughs> I love how we both took a sip at the same time. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Thank God for this drink. I know, it's right on time. Okay, I always pronounce the thing that you put in this wrong. What What is it again? I don't know, I call it Shambord. Shambord. Hmm. What? I don't know. I don't um, like to put things in my bubbles. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sure. Like, who doesn't like a bellini or mimosa. A, a mimosa? Mm-hmm. But, like, the juice is just a waste of space. Like, I'll do it to be like, oh, hey, yes, we're having mimosa. Well, it's supposed to be a splash. It's not supposed to be a whole lot. Uh, no, it's supposed to be more than a splash. Well, <laughs> sorry. But, like, I'm like, I don't even need to bother with the splash. Like, hold it. Altogether, you're ruining my champagne. Now, if it's really like super cheap, yeah, go ahead, put that on there. <laughs> hey, sometimes you, the cheap stuff is great. I mean, if it's just at least middle of the road, I don't want any juice. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I will put any kind of juice in anything except for apple juice. Apple juice doesn't really work in alcohol. Yeah, I haven't had apple juice and oh. Well, there's like a like a mold cider, like you do cider oh, yeah, with a brandy or something like that. Definitely. Like especially like in winter around Christmas. But other than that, no. I mean, and also like I want my carbs and my calories to come from the booze and not from the mixer. So ah. I was just like I mean, even before low carb, I was like, no, it's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're supposed to eat and drink your lunch and dinner, right? So, well, I'm not? good at that. <laughs> Liquid lunch, been having them since 2002. I love it how we got to a good part of the conversation. Here come the cops with the sirens. <laughs> Yay, New York. Yay for being on the low floor. For anyone who's just joining our podcast, yeah, we're in New York. We're by, we're by a window. Uh, sorry about the noise, but it happens. <laughs> Sounds of the city. I mean, I guess when I think back to March and April, and I lived on a major thoroughfare across the street from the fire department, around the corner from the hospital, oh, had a corner from the police station, and it was the height of COVID in a black neighborhood. It was sirens every five to ten and it was harrowing and I was on the fourth floor so it was very loud and every time a siren went by the first thought was if I was on the phone oh hold on (laughs) and the second thought was oh that's probably somebody's body like it's horrible just like hearing those sirens 24 hours a day was just it was it was terrible. So these cops 
coming to get somebody who's like high and passed out from Chelsea. It's all good. Speaking of which, I was trying to park. Actually, just coming down your street. And some guy was coming out of the store to do something. I don't know. F- drops his stuff in the middle of the road. I'm like, it's a green light. You're in the middle of the crosswalk. What's going on? <laughs> like, you know where you are. Get it together. I dropped stuff in that crosswalk. So I'm not. <laughs> saying. Okay. I've also had the dog decided that that was the perfect time to pee crossing that avenue. You know, just, you know, things happen. Okay. I will not pass judgment. Yeah, all right. <laughs> when I'm behind the wheel, though. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I'm going to die, especially since I'm a black woman. Like, no one's going to get prosecuted for this. And that's just the end. Girl. Me and my dog. Speaking of black women, how I chose this topic today. <sighs> Today's topic is music, black creation, and white appropriation. And the reason why I transitioned into this from Black women is because I wanted to talk about this subject after the past few days, seeing all the backlash from WAP or WAP, Cardi B, and Megan Thee Stallion. Like, seriously, people are going crazy over this music video. And I don't understand why, because it's not really anything new. But the fact that most of the people that I'm seeing with the backlash is white people. They seem to be offended by the video. I saw one person say, you know, we need just to be done with Cardi B. Like, when do we get someone else back? I'm just like, it's a music video and there's been nudity far worse on TV and music videos before them. So why them? And I'm just like, oh, they're black women, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the video? I haven't seen the video. What? I know. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, what's Beyonce's thing. Black. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to hate me for saying this. You're not missing much. <laughs> it's just me. That's, I mean, that's what I figured. Because <laughs> I didn't love Lemonade. And it's not that I don't love the queen. I do. Um, but we all do. Like, whatever. You know, whatever. So I also have not seen this video. I have seen a lot of the conversation about it and surrounding it, but I have not seen the video itself. Tell me some of the conversations you've been hearing. Well, my cousin, who is a rapper himself. Um, Did not know that. Yeah. He posted this thing on Instagram that was like, they do WAP and everybody loses their mind. Mystical says, you know, shake, shake it fast, watch yourself, bend over. Mm-hmm. I beat that bitch with a bat, all those things. And people are just okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about right. Right. What? Mm-hmm. But also, yes. I mean, I think. When I, black women's sexuality is a problem, has been a problem for a very long time. And it's a problem for a lot of people if we're just going to be honest about it. Um, But when I think, especially if there are bodies that people 
are unfamiliar with or feel like they ought to be ashamed if they're in awe of Mm. them. And so I think about when Beyonce did Homecoming uh-huh. And initially, before it was a Netflix thing, when it was just like you had to find that UK link <laughs> and like watch before the whole thing. Before it got taken thing. down. Before it got taken down. Before it appeared on Pornhub. What? Yes, child. It was on what? It was on Pornhub. Someone wow. said, you thought it was gone, but it's here. <laughs> <laughs> you did not tell me that. Yes. Anyway. So, but the... But the people really had a problem with the fact that somebody who was so shapely, who had her thighs, who had her backside, was proudly walking around in booty shorts and leotards, and she ought to be ashamed of herself, and she was a disgrace, and she wasn't setting a good example for the kids and body positivity. And healthy and all of those other things. You should see my face right now. Like I, what? Right. Because she's wearing full clothing the whole, the whole time. time. And is not that big, okay? She's, she's five, not- six. She's tiny. And especially when she lost all that weight for homecoming. For homecoming. She's tiny. So exactly. Voluptuous, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. They will pick anything to just. Pick on, pick on, just to rationalize their hatred. And it's it's just people's not people. It's just black women's women's press that is hard for people to accept. The fact that they are taking up space, the fact that people are looking at them, and that the fact that, that people are lifting them up, I think, is very hard for people to accept, mm-hmm. particularly white people. And like, there, I feel like there's an envy on the part of some white women. And I think that for some white men, they are intrigued by it and then also ashamed of the fact that they're intrigued. And they're like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to like that. I mean, but like, it's just the human body. Right. I mean, I, uh, you see a white woman with titties out. You see a black woman with titties out. Same thing. Yeah. But for some reason, our bodies are over-sexualized or taboo or fetishized. I don't, I will never uh, understand that. 100% of the time. Because our bodies aren't our own. Is really it. Especially if you're a black woman. Through mm-hmm. slavery, your body was somebody else's. Yep. Whether that was producing labor or whether that was accepting the sexual advances of somebody, right? Like your body has never been your own. And a black woman who has agency, her own body and her own sexuality is so foreign to so many people that it makes people uncomfortable. It is not the way of the world here in the United States. And it's frankly, not just white people. Black men. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like a whole bunch of people. Well, Our bodies have never belonged to us. People say that a lot about black men, but I have to say, like, I think they just show their appreciation in a different way. Now, I'm barring out the whole hip hop scene. That that has been 
a bunch of mess. And that's been exploitive. And yeah, but just black men in everyday society, I believe they appreciate the, the female body, the black woman's body. But I don't know, maybe you've had a different experience. Yeah. Okay. I, and I'm not trying to say that they don't appreciate but that they don't appreciate it. They do. Uh, I just think that there's an, an ownership that they feel over. And some of that is just in the patriarchal culture that is Black America. Mm-hmm. Some of that is steeped in the religion. And some people are very religious and some people are just like <laughs> religious because they're black and the community they live in. Or like to look religious. Not right, bad. exactly. <laughs> you know, that's just a part of, part of like their cultural Christians. <laughs> so they talk the talk. They also recite Bible verses. They'll go to church on Christmas and Easter. But they're not, they, and they'll, they'll pray over their every single meal they have. It's like a performative Christianity, as opposed to like I'm going every Wednesday, Sunday, and my free time is like surrounded by the church. Anyway, I digress. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people, black people, who believe that men have ownership over women's bodies. They're they're trying to dictate what we wear. They're trying to dictate how and when we express our sexuality. Um, that goes into the whole entire like at calling and street harassment, and we're just yeah. supposed to take it, right. right? It's just because they feel like this is a black woman, and her body belongs to me. She owes me as a man to give me her attention, to be receptive to my advances, and if I've done something to her or in violation of her body. She is responsible for that. Hmm. And I think that that is throughout the culture. And I don't mean to just like direct that at black men. No, I, I, I feel you. like everybody has absorbed that, like, including the women. And that's one of the reasons why we acquiesce. There, it's one of the reasons why I feel like black respectability politics and the black virgin and I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be prim and proper. Like all of those things play into black women not actually having the ability to own their body. It belongs to everybody else. Which is why when something like what comes out, it's so jarring to people because it's antithetical to that just belief that is just a fabric, fabric of this country. I mean, I hear you and I totally, I agree with that for the most part. But when I watched this video and I mean, I didn't see anything that warranted people, you know, calling for the video to be banned and all this stuff. Like I didn't see anything that warranted that because I've seen so many videos growing up, especially on MTV. I mean, Blink-182s running through the streets with socks on their dicks. And sometimes it's censored. Sometimes it wasn't. I definitely saw it uncensored. Um, Bjork, the pagan poetry. She's got her full tits out, you know, simulating sex. Eh, Everyone's fine with that. It's art. Um, Madonna. Oh, 
Well, yeah. She was never nude, though. I will give her that. Fair, fair. I will give her that. But yeah, definitely. She simulates all, all kinds of sex and stuff on her stages, not to mention her videos. And Motley Crue, I mean, come on. Tommy, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson has a sex video out that everyone pretty much saw. And then they made a music video making fun of the sex video. We were both naked. In. So I'm a little confused at why everyone, and I mean, not everyone, but the backlash for WAP is just, it shows such a double standard. I just got sick. Mm-hmm. And this is from a gay man. Like, I don't I don't sleep with women, but I can appreciate what they're doing in the music video. Like, I can appreciate them and their sexuality and being able to, you know, first of all, I had never seen Cardi dance like that, but kudos to her. But I'm just like, what is wrong with this? You've never seen, you don't see their nipples at any point. They're wearing dongs and G-strings, which has been in music videos since the 80s and 90s. So, whatever. So, that's how I started on that's that. How, okay, that's how we got here. Yes. Okay. So, that whole double standard of white people being angry about this music video and the song, because, I mean, it is a vulgar song, but whatever. It's just like, you're not happy with what we're presenting to you until you're doing it. Because the only white rapper, white female rapper that I can think of is Iggy Azalea. And yeah, Roll Eyes. It's like she had what, a couple, couple songs and then we cast her off back to Australia. But it's just like, that's the only white female rapper I can think of who has been mainstream in the last decade. And so I think part of the backlash, at least from white women, is the fact that they don't have somebody else that's able to do that too. Oh. Yeah. I'm just like, that's fine. You can be angry, but not everything is for you. Hip hop in general was not for you to begin with. Right? Yep. So like, how dare you be mad about this art that is being presented to you. You don't have to consume it. Right. That's just it. You you don't have to go on YouTube and look for it. You don't have to consume it. Not everything is for you. (laughs) (laughs) But you're probably right. I mean, and that's probably why people were pissed about Beyonce. Right? They don't have somebody who is a singer at that level, who is doing something that groundbreaking with her body, which is still small, mm-hmm. but it's shapely. She has. Well, she's a woman. She's got kids. It's going to be a woman. shapely. She's got, but she's got body parts, and body parts, and and people body parts that other people try to get rid of. And she's there in all of her glory, and they are not allowed. That space that has got to be like, why does she get to do this? It's not that they're not allowed. They just can't get there. And that's not our fault. I sip on that one. Holy cow. 
I mean, for so long, hip hop was not allowed to be on MTV. It wasn't allowed to be on certain stations because it was deemed vulgar. And that just, it's a repeat of what was done back in the day with, with jazz and with, <laughs> as she pops, pops the cord. <laughs> I can still, I can still hear you. It's a true story. Um, we can multitask. But yeah, it's the same thing that happened back in rock in the 50s. I don't need <laughs> Yes, I do, always. Now, is this champagne or Moscato? What is this? This is Prosecco. Prosecco. Neither one of those two things. Well, listen. Would you like a little bit of Chambord? I, I, like I would. Like every other drink, I can have a little bit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's not, it's not that they can't be there. They just aren't there. And the ones that they try to put there, uh, they pale in comparison. And they try to adopt what we're doing, the visually and musically, and it just doesn't work. So why not like the original instead of trying to make counterfeit? I, I don't get that. Like you hate us so much, you can't enjoy the music and the art for what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. But like, why? Then why want to be a part of it if it's you know it's something we created? Do I want to be a part of it anyways? Like, just because cast it's all cool of it away. and people love it. But you can't love it and then hate the people who do it. Yes, you can. Why? That's my privilege. That is the that is like the epitome of. Can't understand that. Mm-mm. It's like that scene in um. Dream Girls got me a Cadillac car. You remember that? Did you see Dream oh, Girls? You saw it. No, I mean a lot of times. <laughs> Eddie Murphy singing, you know, his version, the one that you know the black people came up with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. next scene got the white version on the car on yeah. a music video and all this, and it's being put out there and it's getting all that attention. It's like, wait a minute. I mean, that's a tale as old as time. Facts. And that is why <laughs> we are here talking about that today. There's so many artists and so many genres that just don't get accredited. Right. Because a white person came along and took their art and then called it inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. After the last one, you were like, let's do something like. And I was like, this isn't light. It's, I mean, it's lighter than what we did last time. Come on now. I, I mean, I don't think that it is light. I don't think it's light for me. And I don't really think it's light for you. I think that people who are in the performing arts, who are Black people, who are musicians and that kind of thing, uh-huh. The idea that somebody is stealing, not stealing, who is taking what we do and getting famous from it while we t- toil away mm-hmm. is heavy. 
that is heavy. I think about Adele and Justin, right. Justin Timberlake. I think about all the people, you know, I'm an American Idol fan. Don't judge me. I know you judge me for that. Yeah, I mean, I liked early American Idol, but nowadays, come on. Well, I don't still like it. I mean, it's now it's on ABC. It's different. But there are so many people, Black people, who are R&B singers. Like, that is what it what they do. Yes. That R&B do, is not dead. R&B is dead for Black people. What? I think it is. I think, I think as an R&B, as pop music, does not hold the same place oh, it did. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely that. But I'm, I just mean as far as not being dead, it's still good R&B is still being produced. Yeah, sure. On a massive level. It's just sure. not getting the focus yes. that it once did. I know. But there are people who are doing R&B who are getting that same level of attention. Oh, totally. They're not even calling it R&B. That's, that's, that's the kicker. They're calling it pop again. But they're putting our R&B in the R&B section. I mean, so they're yes. calling theirs so pop. And they're sidelining our. Oh, totally. I mean, just last year, we had Justin Bieber saying he wants to be the king of R&B. How the hell are you going to be the king of R&B? How? And that has nothing to do with your white skin. You're from Canada. You've been doing pop all of your life. And now you want to jump into this genre that we created. We've been doing for ever and want to say you want to be the king of that genre sit the fuck down please i'm rolling my eyes so hard right now like my eyeballs hurt went from side eye left <laughs> I went to side eye right all the way to like around and around a couple of times but what's sad is he has such a platform that people actually are going to feed into that shit and they did like, so many people were angry when he said that, and then he released that, his next single. I can't even remember what it was, but it, it just, it took off, and people just stopped being angry. I mean, if it's good, it's good. It's good, it's good, but don't forget what he's trying to do. I'm annoyed. Oh, I'm always annoyed. <laughs> I'm gonna sit. RBF just is my thing. <laughs> Already? I don't really well, have a headache. Two glasses. I mean, in. Just, I mean Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah. Like, fine. What makes anyone tired? Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I'm more mad at Justin Timberlake than Justin Bieber, to be honest. Well, I have a lot of things to be mad at Justin Timberlake over, but what are you mad about? So, first of all, his first album, <laughs> his first album was basically a whole bunch of songs that Michael Jackson didn't want to do. Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> so, okay, great. But then, you know, Timbaland makes this great track for him that wasn't in that whole pile of stuff. And that's what he kind of became known for, that sound, Cry Me a River, mm-hmm. for like the next two albums, I think. Mm-hmm. That was his sound. But it's Timbaland's sound. Because he created it, and you never, ever sang a song like that. In fact, that was the only song on your first album that sounded like that. I bought his albums. I bought all of NSYNC's albums. I'm not hating. What I'm saying yes. is yeah, I hear you. you took something 
that wasn't yours. That was fabricated. Then you got famous on that. Meanwhile, at the same time, you had artists like Maxwell. You had artists like Joe, like Tyrese, all these same artists who have been doing R&B and has been their craft. They have been doing this for two decades. But now you're put on this pedestal and getting all the accolades and all the Grammys and all the music and all the billboard honors and all that stuff just because you adopted their sound. Well, you know, that's a thing. I mean, I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah. But like anytime a white person does something that we consider to be black, whether that's like I'm going to sing gospel or sing in that kind of wailing style Mm -hmm. or I'm going to huff or I'm going to, I don't know. Play jazz. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like anytime someone white does something that we think of as someone doing something that's black, everyone is like, oh, my God. You know, oh, my goodness. This is this the best thing. And so, of course, you know, he adopts a black style. And we're just falling all over. Not just us, everyone. I mean, you know I love me some Justin, but that I rubbed me the wrong way. No, yeah. <laughs> just say it. Oh, oh, and then later on, he tries to reverse that by putting out like a pseudo country, pseudo, you know, alternative album. Come on now. It's too You're late, stuck. Too. You're stuck. You, you made a choice. Now carry that. If you can't do it anymore, hang it up. It's too late. Because, like, God forbid we try to do the same thing and do a country country song. People lose their minds. Yeah. But I'm going to get into more about country. But seriously, we sh- should be able to jump into genres, too, that way, if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But why do you have a problem with Justin? Oh, Janet Jackson. That's- oh, well, fuck yeah. <laughs> that was some <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> The fact that his career took off and she had to do Tyler Perry movies, child. They were good Tyler Perry. Well, her roles were good. I will say that. Her roles were good. I enjoy Janet Jackson. I have always enjoyed Janet. Mm -hmm. And I think the nipple slip Mm -hmm. is like, whatever. I mean, they rehearsed it. They had to rehearse it. And even if it was... Like, it wasn't supposed to come all the way off. He knew what was going on. He knew what was happening. He did it. But yeah, that was that was some BS. It's BS. I'm, I'm still angry about it. <laughs> Not that I don't still listen to Justin Timberlake over it. I Obviously, I do. Right. But I was like, oh, wait, she had to pay this black woman's bodies again. Mm-hmm. She had yep. to play, pay the price for that. At the Super Bowl, but he gets to just go on and just like have whatever career. Exactly. I mean, it's always going back to the whole black woman thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember when Patti LaBelle sang a song, If You Asked Me To. Yes. It was actually on the James Bond soundtrack uh, for License to Kill. It's actually on the ending credits. I had no idea that it was on the ending credits. I just known the song growing up like that. I, that was the only version of that song I I knew. And then someone one day was actually came to me because I had sheet music. They were like, "Hey, do you have you know 
the sheet music for Celine Dion's If You Ask Me To. I was like, what? What are, what are you talking about? Now, I love Celine Dion, by the way. Preface this. I love Celine Dion. Sure. She's very talented. You Absolutely. know, whatever. But I was taken aback. I was like, don't you mean Patti LaBelle? Like, isn't, isn't that the song you're talking about? Sure enough, I, I looked it up. And this was back in the day, folks. I, you know, I learned about this a while ago. I looked it up. And as soon as you type in, if you ask me to, to Google, her version is the one you see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was. Her version is the one you see that comes up, the music video, everything. Then you just scroll down a little bit and they mention how Patti LaBelle was the first one to record it. I mean, she not only recorded it, it was on a major soundtrack. A music video was done for it. And she was at the top of the hip hop and R&B billboard uh, charts for that year. The problem is she didn't cross over to pop. So a year later, Celine Dion records the same song, probably a half pitch higher, I believe. And it takes off. It just takes off like a rocket. Now, I'm sure if I was Patti LaBelle, I'd be sitting there with dick face like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait a minute. Because, like, again, I love Celine Dion, but Patti, Patti can sing in circles around Celine Dion in her sleep. I don't even remember Celine's version. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody in the Black community knew of Celine Dion's version. I mean, I'm sympathetic. Because of, um, I will always love you, and how Girl. angry people get. They want to be like, "No, it's Dolly Parton. It's Dolly Parton, oh, oh, oh. not what he used it." So totally, they like when it's when when it's them who's created something, and we get it, and we make it popular. There's a problem. But when the happy Patti Bell, I didn't hear a black person say anything. They weren't mad about it. I didn't hear any white people say, oh, no, Patty did it first. No, there was none of that. None of so it. Dolly, Dolly recorded the song like at least twice. And then there's a male artist who did it. And then there was um, Linda Ronstadt who did it. And none of them were able to reach the success that Whitney Houston had. They gave Whitney that album and... Well, history is history. Like you, you can't deny that a black voice on that record did not make it better. And Dolly knew that because she'd been trying to get Patti LaBelle to sing it for years, and she just never did. Um, Dolly Parton is the only person who is not mad. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Did she write that song? Because she, she, she that message made her millions. Yes, she wrote (laughs) wrote it, it. and so she gets the money from that and royalties, but also like her recordings that went well. Like there's certain ones, certain people who own the masters for that, but you know, she, she's the writer. She always, always going to get money for for that that song. So she's, she's always very, very happy. Like she never has a like, oh. She sang my song no. called Jennifer Holiday. Never. No, she gave it to them. Ne- she's never like that. But she gave it to them. All these other white people are salty. Speaking of being salty, another artist, Leanne Rhymes, 
she was doing her tour. I guess it's around the Blue Album. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Around the same time, I Will Always Love You came out yes. later. So yeah, she yeah. she loved the song so much. She would record it. She would um she perform it in her shows. Uh -huh. And I went on YouTube just to watch some stuff. And I scrolled down the comments, and there's all these people who saying, "How dare she!" sing the Whitney Houston version. How dare she sing this? How dare she sing it that way? It's Dolly's song. It's a country song. You're a country artist. Why don't you sing it the way Dolly did it? I'm just like, hold the fuck up. Wait, what? The most popular version of the song is Whitney Houston's. So you're mad that- Was a teenager? Yeah, she was, was a teenager. A teenager at Correct. The time. And they just spewed all this hate about her not singing the Dolly Parton version. Oh, I'm sorry. I am so salty. <laughs> the second time I'm just like sitting here like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Well, that whole country subject is just deeper. It's so much deeper than that. Okay. I mean, you know how country started. Wait, hold on. Remind me. Where are you from? I'm from South Carolina. South Kakalaki. Oh. Mm -hmm. Where there's a deep country music. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, continue. Love country. So, I mean, not to get too specific, but country started with banjo singing. Mm -hmm. The banjo comes from where? West Africa. Mm -hmm. It was brought here by slaves. Mm -hmm. So you mean to tell me some black person didn't teach a white person how to play the banjo and sing blues because country is blues. It's a popped version of 12 bar blues. You mean to tell me a black person didn't sit down and sing its heart and soul out to a white person and they take it and run with it? Come on now. They still don't give Sister Rosetta Tharp the accolades that she needs for rock and country because that's what she was doing. That was her style in the 1930s. She and Little Richard crafted rock and roll and country for what it was at that time. So yeah, they're still salty about it not being theirs to begin with. Whoop. That's what, that's what I feel. Okay. And I started feeling that way when Beyonce came out on stage at the American Music Awards, I believe, or was it the CMTs a few years ago to perform with the Dixie Chicks. And people lost their minds. Like, why is Beyonce singing with them on stage? Because she's Beyonce. But still, you would think she's accepted enough that she can get on stage and sing with country artists and not be dragged across the coals just because she wanted to sing in a different genre. So it's deep. That's deep. Mm hmm And I feel like white people believe that country is there. Oh, totally. They've allowed Darius Rucker Mm-hmm. And then there's Little Nas X. But See, barely. He had to bring on like a 
who was it? Billy Ray? Billy Ray Cyrus. In order to be accepted. I'm going to just say this once. I can't stand that song. <laughs> I don't think it's country. Yeah, it's not really. So, yeah, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just leave it. We'll that. leave it at that. Kudos to Little Nas X being homosexual, quote unquote. He's gay, quote unquote. And going as far as he did and getting, getting the accolades that he did from one song. Mm-hmm. If he's a one hit wonder, great. He went great. to the bank. Yeah. If not, great. Even better. But I hate that damn song. And I don't think it should have gotten everything that it got. Again, not being a hater, great for him, but come on now. Okay. Just saying. I won't comment (laughs) at all. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't love it. I knew it had to be a reason. I was waiting on it. But I know lots of people do. No, oh, well, yeah. I think I'm disinfected. But isn't that how it always goes? You don't have to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. So. <clears throat> don't worry, be done with this glass in about five minutes. Okay, that sounds good. Hmm. <laughs> So we're drinking Prosecco with Chambord. Yes, that's yes. correct. Is there like a name for this or you just kind of made it up? I'm, oh, I didn't make this up. My friend Vanessa, who's from the UK, Ooh. always puts Chambords. We used to have, my last job, we used to have Prosecco night. And um, we were all on keto. So we would have <laughs> like guacamole and celery and like charcuterie meats and cheese. I hate cheese. Same. Wine and cheese and all the things that people eat. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. No bread. Mm. No bread. No bread. We had olives, so. And so, I know I I wasn't an olive fan until I could only eat two things. And Fair. olives were one of them. So, Prosecco nights, we would have Prosecco, either Mianetto or Lamarca, and then she would bring Chambord, and she'd put a couple drops in everyone's drink, mm. and it was very tasty. And so when she gives out her Christmas gifts of Prosecco, she also includes a little sidecar of the Chambord, which is what we we're drinking. So thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, thank you, Vanessa. Mm. All right. I'm going to open the other bottle. Did we kill that bottle already? No, there's, but there's like not an entire drink in there. All right, I'll finish this and I'll take that. Okay. Oh, I love that sound. <laughs> Cork pops. Ooh. So the, ooh, no. Spilled. No, no. I knew that's going to happen. <laughs> Sake. <laughs> well, you just took all of that to the head. <laughs> I'm impressed. 
I mean, it's like you didn't get any on your clothes. That's just talent. Oh, my God. So, note to everyone, don't freeze your Prosecco because it will explode and foam after the cork pops. So, just be aware. I I knew that, but apparently Kim did not. There's nothing worse than alcohol genocide. I feel like that was like alcohol murder as it just like went all over the floor. Girl. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I told you this, but um, a couple of weeks ago, one of my friends took me out to Blockheads. And it was really hot this day, by the way. Mm-hmm. So you know how I <laughs> how I get. I kind of get absent-minded. And I don't drink a lot of water. No. So yeah, we were out of blockheads, just knocking them back. I mean, I was being good for the most part, but I was drinking sangria. So you know, it's either going to be weak or it's going to be strong, depending on who Wait, mixed it. Is this like this? Oh, because you don't drink tequila, so I know. Absolutely not. So it wasn't one of those like tequila, I mean, they, no, mar- they like had margarita, those. Yeah. sangria. Yeah. yeah, they were drinking those, not me. Okay. Okay. You were just drinking great sangria. But here's where it went left. They wanted to do shots, and all they had at the bar was tequila and Hennessy. So you had Henny. Of course. Of course I had Henny. Oh, child. But here's the problem. <laughs> I had already been like maybe two and a half sangrias in at that point. No water. Very little food. Because, you know, I was doing things. But. <laughs> <laughs> so I took that shot of Henny and I. Let's just say that day did not end well. And I ended up spilling, knocking over my last sangria, which is when I knew it was time to go home. I was It wasn't a drunk knockover. It was me trying to move something out of the way and it spilled. But, like, that was definitely alcohol genocide. Because, yeah, you know, I lost me some sangria. No. no, no, no. Yeah, when you start spilling drinks, it's time to depart. Time to go. And it doesn't even matter if you're it's like, oh, I'm so drunk, my motor skills have deteriorated. <laughs> No, you spill a drink, you depart. Exactly. I'm home. So does anything else trigger you about the appropriation of Black music? I mean, I think the whole thing triggers. You know, I have had conversations with my mother over the years about uh-huh. And when she heard that this is what we were discussing today, she had to give me her opinions. <laughs> so, of course, we welcome <laughs> opinions. Julia always has something to say. So, you know, she's like, she'll be 74 next month. And her patience for the bullshit has completely yep. run out. Expired. It's done. It's done. And Cultural appropriation is something she's never understood. And she's like, well, if people want to buy it, then who cares? Well, what about country music? Like, 
black people should be able to contribute to things. Right. If people want to buy it, then who cares? And so she triggers me over this because when I try to explain the disparity in the power dynamic, mm-hmm. that is like, to me, that is the essence, the fulcrum point of like what is cultural exchange versus cultural appropriation. It is oh, in the ability. Okay. Go on. It is in the ability to profit off of things and ideas that a person who originated the idea mm-hmm. or a culture that is the genesis of a genre, a, a look, a design, a sound, doesn't have the, exa- the access to make a profit off of. Mm-hmm. So to say, we don't appreciate all of the wailing that R&B singers do. We don't appreciate that it's so loud. We don't appreciate that it strays so far from the melody. It's not for you. Right? It, we don't like any of those things. So we are not going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You need to tone it down. You need to lighten your sound. You need to change your body type. You need to do all of these other things before we will give you access mm-hmm. to the ears of millions of people as in mainstream music. But here comes Adele, <laughs> Jesse J, oh, Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, all of these other people. Sam Smith. Sam Smith! Mm. Like all these other people. <laughs> can sing in that style and sing in falsetto and play with meter and do... And do runs. do Yes, do runs or and all the melisma and all of the belting and all of those things that we associate with Black music and they're allowed to make money off of it. They're allowed to win Grammys. They're allowed to just take this and make millions, mm-hmm. whereas everybody else is relegated to the R&B charts. And not that there's not value in that, right? The people who listen to that music, the people who listen to those stations appreciate that that music is there for them. But the fact that the white people get to move into the mainstream and to win, get to win all of the major awards and get to take that music and perform it on the world's biggest stages. And Black people, depending on who you are, mm-hmm. don't have that same access. It's triggering to me. Like, oh, that no, is, like that is what's so hard for me. It is in that oppression. It is in the this group of people because they are not the dominant culture, we are going to look down our noses at what they've created. I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with those people. I don't want to see those bodies. That is over here on the other side. But people who look like me, people who I think 
by virtue of how they were born and what they look like and how they resemble me deserve access to all those things. The fact that they're doing it means that I can consume it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to consume this and I'm, going to, and I'm going to center this. That to me is like, what is tough? That's what's hard. No, I totally get that. And back on what you said about they want everything toned down so it's palatable for them. I mean, that's pretty much how R&B music in the 90s became the pop music of the, the era. Mm-hmm. It's like, more. If you think about the most popular songs, and I'm not talking about the New Jack Swing because that was a whole different thing. Yes. But you think about the most popular pop songs, quote unquote, you think about the Whitney Houston's, you think about the Tony Braxton's, you think about the Mariah Carey's. And Mariah Carey has gone on to famously say that she wanted to do songs that were more more urban, more, you know, Mm -hmm. more R&B, more hip hop starting out, but they wouldn't let her. So they wanted the R&B music of that time to be closer to pop. And so that's why it was everywhere. I mean, Mariah released an album like every every year. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it was everywhere. Babyface Baby made Face so like many. It. I mean, he has this superb talent for producing an R&B track, whether it be vocals or instrumentation, that is radio-friendly. Mm-hmm. That is right in the tessitura of whoever is singing's voice. Yeah. It complements everything that needs to be popular or for the masses. And he's amazing at that. He's brilliant. I mean, he was brilliant. Yes, he is brilliant. That's the thing. Oh, God, yes, Missy. Yes, yes, yes. But, oh, no, 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 that's not really a different conversation because so many people, no, so many white people, younger kids nowadays, don't know who Miss Elliott is. And I think it's ridiculous because when she came out with Katy Perry on um, that Super Bowl that she did. That was over. Oh, God. BT Doves. Oh, everything. But keep going. There were so many people asking who that was. <laughs> and by so many people, I mean so many. What's the name of the generation? Millennials. Yeah, millennials. So many millennials asking who the fuck that was. <laughs> I'm just like, are you serious right now? <laughs> I mean, I guess growing up in the time that I did and knowing... He must have been Gen Z. Oh, super. Okay, maybe maybe Gen Z. Oh, no, I'm a millennial. Been, what the fuck am like, I talking about? I'm a millennial. Like, it's Gen Z. It would have been like middle school and high school. Yeah, I need or... to stop making that mistake. Yeah, it's not millennial. It's Gen Z. Okay. I fell into that trap and I shouldn't. Yeah, definitely like all the Gen Z yes. people just didn't know who the fuck she was. And I was like, what? How is that even possible? She's been producing music for so long. But just because she hasn't been on the top of the charts for, you know, her own stuff, they don't know who she is. She is a producing genius. Her and Timbaland. And, I mean, and the two so, of them together. 
that came up together. So they're going to put Justin Timberlake on a pedestal and they know Timberland produced this shit, but they don't know who Missy Elliott is. Uh, mm. Get the fuck out of here. Mm. Nope. Not okay. No, it's not okay. And your glass is empty. I thought I did it myself. Oh, okay. But I'm up already. Eh. I feel like, okay, I'm going to try this again. Still a little chunky. Mm-hmm. I like that though. It's good. It's nice Only in drinks though. I don't like chunky in drinks. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Tell me more about this. <laughs> what? Where don't you like chunky? Mm, don't like my men chunky. Sorry. What? No, not a thing for me. I'm tiny. Okay. I I need to be able to have some control in the bed, just a little bit. I'm sorry. You give me a half glass, Kim. When does that happen? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Before we get into Chunky, because <laughs> we need to, do, to address this. All right. Um, I only gave you a half glass because I'm very sensitive to the temperature of the beverage. And so I don't want to give you so much that it takes you so long that your drink is warm when you get to the bottom of it. Okay. So I try to do a perfect pour. So if you have a big white wine glass, I try not to give you more than like four ounces because by the time you get to the end, it's room temperature and that's nasty. That is so bougie of you. I adore that. I'm a convenience drinker, though. <laughs> Pour it all right now <laughs> so I don't have to get back up. That's Ain't so nobody funny. got time for that. That's okay. I'm going to use my coupon, and we will have a bottle chiller for the next step. Yes. So then we can make perfect pours and also not have to go anywhere. There we go. Okay. So now tell me about your sizes dating. I mean, that's just, that's really the only thing. I don't, I'm not that picky. You just okay. got to be attractive in the face and not be heavy set or chubby. I just can't. I, okay. What's the, what's the threshold for you? Like if they're pretty slim, but they have a little, like a little tiny belly, belly hanging over their weight. Okay. So to better explain this, I should say, so people have been putting on the COVID weight. For the last few months, right? Right. So someone I've known who has like a nice body, whatever, you know, has not been able to get to the gym as much as they like to and have a little belly. Okay. See, that's okay. okay. Because you don't let your body stay that way. You are actually conscious that you are trying to like, you know, make it look better and you have the ability to do so. There are some people of no fault of their own sometimes who just have the body type that they're just always going to be heavy. And that's fine. Stocky, and people like to like push this either way. Stocky, like I think of stocky as someone who used to be a football player, but just stopped working out. And so okay. they, they, they're, they're still sculpted, but they're not toned. Okay. So are like, and they still kind of have like a, a gut a little bit. That's what I think of when I think of stocky. Now, beyond stocky, 
or bear or whatever you want to call it. And like, like, obviously uh, you're not into bears. That whole bear cub otter situation has changed again. And I don't understand where people, yeah, 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 no. Because people who are like a twink with hair are calling themselves otters, but also people who are like close to 200 pounds, but are still like kind to work, trying to work out are calling themselves otters too, instead of cubs. And I'm just like, isn't that a cub? I used to be an otter. I'm confused, Kim. I used to be an otter. See, I'm confused. So, yeah. I'm still an so otter. I'm going to stick to stocky <laughs> and chubby and heavy set because I can't do the heavy set and uh, chubby. It's just, no, it's too much for me. I, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know me, I'm 115 pounds, 117 soaking wet. I do not. <laughs> need a heavy person to be with me. With that said, like a taller person who weighs the same amount and like is not completely toned, whatever, fine. But the mass around, I can't You're missing out on so many people. And that might be. That might be the case. But I've got to be able to perform in bed. And if I can't be attracted to the person I'm with. I mean, how much stomach is like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't gauge that. I mean, it's just. Because I I feel like, well, obviously women are conditioned to accept a lot more body diversity. I I think that's bullshit too. Back on the whole woman. And bodies thing like men are allowed to look any kind of old type of way and yep. it'd be fine and women have to stay looking like a, a certain Barbie way doll. and it, yeah no that's that's bullshit but continue please but, yeah, but, so that's what i'm saying right like i mean we're conditioned not to accept everything but a lot more so yeah. when you're like giving a blowjob mm-hmm. like so many men that I know are always like, oh my God, I, I well, I got to get rid of this belly or I can't have beer right now or I don't know. Like, what is your threshold for belly while you're giving a blowjob? Like, don't touch me. I need to see at least a two pack. Um, no, it doesn't even have to be a pack at all. It just has to... Like, if you look down and you can't see your feet, it's a problem. If you look down and you can't see your dick, another problem. So if I'm going to go down on you. And I'm looking down. Belly, I don't have a dick, but it's, I'm looking. And the belly is, you know, how, like, let's say he's sitting down. Uh-huh. And you're getting the position in between his legs. And you're looking up at him in his face. If you have to struggle to see his face over his belly... <laughs> We got a problem. <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just know a lot of bears, so I'm mm-hmm. like a little protective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and I'm not saying they're not attractive. I'm just saying they're not for me. Not for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And there are plenty of people who don't like skinny, skinny guys. It's, you know? That's true. There are people who prefer a man with a little meat on their bones. 
Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays. It's very, it's very tough for the, the, the black twinks out there right now. Very hard. You think? God, yes. I told you the story about my birthday. Yeah, no, no, I know. It just seems to me that all the black twinks that I know. What? Did I just say that out loud? All the black yeah, twinks that I know. Can't take it back. I can't take it back. Not edited. Seem to be very busy. Listen. And have a lot of interest. People are like, yes. I want to offend somebody when saying this. Okay, there is a twink who calls himself a twink in their mind, and then there's me who's truly a skinny twink. My ass is not huge. I'm okay, I'm literally built like a white twink, but I'm black. Now I got. Tell me I'm wrong. No. Like I, I have the body of a teenage white boy who has not worked out. That is, that is my body. That is not true. That is not true. I'm giving her the face, guys. Like, really? I weigh 115. I have abs. No working out. I'm 5'7". He's got toned arms. He's got a black butt that's skinny. It's not big. Okay, yes, my butt is not big, but it it is nice and round and firm. Yes, I work on that. That is work. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm saying you have black features. Yeah, No, no, no. Totally. But when you compare me to the other guys who got the Donkey booties and I don't think of them as twins. Oh, well, they call themselves twins all the time. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the people in my mind that I'm thinking of in this moment self-identify. Mm-hmm. But I consider them to be very slender, like trim. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm fit, not I'm fit. I'm slim. Right. I'm slim. And they're black, and they kind of like run the gamut, mm-hmm. and they stay entangled. That is wonderful. And even when I go out, too, it's like nobody approaches me. Maybe I'm intimidating. I don't know. No, I'm like I can't. What you're saying right now it doesn't square with the experience of not? my other friends. How not? The people who look like you have so much drama because they have too many dicks to manage. That is not my problem. I mean, that would be a good problem to have, Mm -hmm. but I I stay away from drama. I can't can't do that. And I just, like, it's one thing to have. I know you say you do, but you've had had some. I've had some drama, yeah. But I tried to avoid it as much as possible. And, like, that's why I don't have a lot of dicks, I think, probably. is because when the bullshit happens, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no time for it. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care how good you laid it down. That's not true. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you got to keep somebody in the phone. That you're exactly. just like, listen. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just want keep you. them around. I don't need you. Come bang my back out, please. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Just as long as you're aware. To, yeah. Okay. I just know that I'm not trying to be with you. <laughs> except for this 30 minutes. 30 minutes? You've been preparing all damn day. And it's 30 minutes. 
Tim, I'm a pro. <laughs> Meaning you don't have to eat. I don't have to do a lot depending on the size of the day. Just give me 15 minutes. <laughs> I will take care of this right now. There's been plenty of time when I've been on an app. Someone hit me up. Hey, are you ready? I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. What time are you going to be here? In about 20 minutes. Great. I'll be ready. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I got it. Can we talk about, and then we need to go back to not this stuff. I mean. <laughs> but when JP and I used to live next door to each other. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, we could go back there. And I used to hear the shower go. <clears throat> but then he had this attachment. Mm-hmm. And the, when he would turn on the attachment, the enema attachment, mm-hmm. the entire wall would shake. And I'd be like, well. What the fuck kind of attachment did he have? It was like an enema attachment. But it shouldn't shake the wall. It does. It did. I mean, it was an illegal apartment. That's why we moved uh, to Harlem. Pipe that. Got it. It would be like, it would like hiss, and then it would rumble. And I'd be like, I guess JP has a date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this out. JP not, might be happy that you're putting him he would out be there like that. Perfectly fine with it. Okay. <laughs> but you want to. It's like take- an advertisement. Mm. He's got a shower. That's attack. true. Yeah, that's true. He's a. Up. Yes, I will agree with that. <laughs> it's not, you wanted to go back to music, so what do you have to say about that? I'm nothing. I just was like, mm. am I still talking about anal sex? I mean, we could talk about <laughs> that for days. We don't want to talk about the gay side of anal sex. We need to talk about straight anal sex. Oh, and we God, will, child. I'm sure at some point. <laughs> that's not what today's topic is. No, about. It's not today's topic was about... about. Music appropriation. <laughs> I do have a couple of quotes that I should read you and okay. say you feed about this. Okay, great. So in Time Magazine, there is a writer, Andrew R. Chow, mm-hmm. who wrote an article in 2019. And this is what he said about uh, Black music. The Black influence on country music starts with the banjo, which often conjures the hazy image of a white pastoral South But the instrument is a descendant of West African lutes made from gourds that were brought to America by slaves and which became a central part of slave music and culture in the South. Soon the instrument was standardized, appropriated, and spread to white audiences through minstrel and blackface shows, which deeply informed the rise of hillbilly music, a term that would later be rebranded as country music. The blackface performer Emmett Miller's Love Sick Blues, for example, inspired Hank Williams to make his own rendition of the song, which is still one of the most beloved songs in country history. White banjo innovators like Earl Shruggs and David Aikman later made the instrument integral to the genre's DNA, and black musicians mostly abandoned the instrument. Anything about that interesting or... I studied the minstrelsy in college. Same. Uh-huh. And I think that that 
whole genre system and the way that it evolved through American history informs so much of popular culture today mm-hmm. and the way that we view race. So none of that is like a surprise. No. You know, and I didn't really know about the banjo other than thinking of the banjo as a tool and a prop in minstrel music. Yeah. I had no idea. Wait, where were you born again? New York. uh, Around the corner. Yeah, that's what I thought. So like... I guess that's really a cultural divide from the North and South because I've always known about, um, I've always known about like old slave songs, old mm-hmm. like music from the Gullah Geechee brought over. Yes. Um, during slavery. And then I went to college also in the South and I studied jazz for two years. Wait, where did you go to college? I wasn't going to give them a shout out, but Winthrop University in South Carolina. Yes. Okay, great. Right, right, right. Uh, I was in the Conservatory of Music for a little while. And when I took jazz and explained, well, they went through the history of it and how it started with slave songs mm-hmm. about the repetition back and forth yes, in, the, in the cotton fields. From there, it migrated, as this article says, like with the banjo them playing songs for the white man and them, you know, taking it and running with it. Um, I didn't know about the history of it. I certainly was aware of the slave songs mm-hmm. and call and response. Yes. And slave owners taking the things that they heard. Of course. And doing it themselves, replicating it, and then running with it, and then using it as a system of repression, and then taking that, and then making jets of R&B, and all of those things. Like, th- those things. Absolutely. But the banjo, not so much. Um, I hear you. I live in Kentucky. I listen to a lot of mm-hmm. bluegrass. Yeah. I want to live in Nashville. I... Thought you should move there five years ago, ten years ago. No, How long ago was you it? No, timing. I know timing. Got to get this money, girl. I hear you. I think that it would change your life in ways you couldn't imagine. I believe it. If you went there, I totally believe it. People still don't believe that when I when I sing and I write certain music that there's there's country influence in it. They don't get it. Like when I work with one of our producers, he's like, oh, that sounds old or that sounds that. I'm just like, I mean, the reason why it sounds that is because like you're more, you know, you're more acute to the hip hop, the electronic beats that are coming out of things. It's not going to sound precise. It's not going to be what you're accustomed to hearing. It's acoustic, natural music. It's, yes, sometimes it's going to be slow and, and it's going to, move you to a certain place, but it's not meant to be uh, a cheap pop song. Can we talk about beats and melody? Oh, please do. I mean, I don't have anything to say when I ask you about it. <laughs> because one of my problems with pop slash R&B in this moment is that we've gone away from easy symmetrical meters. We've gone away from melody. 
like we've gone away from tunes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are just doing vocal gymnastics or just, I don't know. But I'm not a huge country music fan. Okay. But I appreciate the storytelling. I appreciate the beats and melodies. I appreciate a beat and melody. And I appreciate that country music still can be popular and people can love it. Mm-hmm. And they still have beats and melodies. All right. So a few things. Got to unpack a few things. Okay. What you said about country music and how you're not the biggest fan of it. When you listen to country music, you have to remember that it's a facade. Remember what I told you, how it came from us. Yes. And they made it into whatever it is now. Country music, if you take a country standard ballad, mm-hmm. you replace the guitar with a piano, you take the twang out of what whoever's singing it, and you add some harmony vocals in the background, you have an R&B song. That right. is what you have. No, I understand that. But I get that. Okay. That which is why I have an appreciation for what country Correct. artists do. So it's the beats and melody, but it is the my. I think my problem with it is the centering of white culture that I'm just like. Ah, right, and you appreciate how know. there's like a sung melody on it instead of yes, exactly. what we have in pop. Yeah, and yes. with that, yes, I will say that it's a resurgence of disco, but a cheapened version. Mm-hmm. So, disco was created by a drummer. Yes. A black drummer. And when those records started becoming popular, there's a form that everyone would adhere to. So, once disco was solidified, and you got the Donna Summers, you got all the other singers, mm-hmm. once those popular singers who are able to move on to another genre after disco ended, they also started doing dance songs. So our dance music mm-hmm. is kind of a derivative in my eyes of what came in the 80s and 90s and pushed along that electronic beat. But what ha- has happened now after the 2000s is vocals are no longer important because anybody can be famous. You've got DJs who are now popular because being famous is the key now, not actually being talented, Right. who now want the fame. So they put a vocoder on, they get some auto-tune. Don't even get me started about auto-tune. Auto-tune is the death of music. But um, And that is why you have lost a vocal melodies because no one is actually re- no one actually has to really sing and when you get a good singer such as Ariana Grande I like her voice but she has definitely appropriated so much of black culture and I have an issue with her mm-hmm. I mean just look at her pre her first album and you wouldn't recognize her you just wouldn't I mean, and the fact that her family name is Grand. <laughs> she calls herself Grande. Grande. I don't know if she does, but she, or she just allows people to, but still. No, I mean, okay. come on now. 
but yeah, you've got they when you get a good singer such as her, mm-hmm. and then you're able to do real music. How does the EDM, the DJs, the dance music? How do, how do they compete with that? They have to focus on their beats. They can't focus on the voice. Right. They've got to focus on the beat. Yeah. And yeah, so with that, hip hop has kind of merged with that. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Hip hop has kind of merged with that. And there's been a loss of lyricism. Mm-hmm. There's mumble rap. I don't know what mumble rap. Like, why Why mumble? Like, it's supposed to be spoken word. You're supposed to be delivering a message. Right. Um, and then they're sitting on top of those beats. It's all about the beat. It's all about the beat. Yeah, and you're it's right. ridiculous. And it is, I feel, a loss of musicality in the artist. Totally. And when I listen to people from the mid eight, well, I mean, before then, but mid-80s, early 90s, and I hear the instrumentation and the orchestrations and the fact that these people had real musicians yep. playing their background. And I'm like, wait, no, this is actually music. Right. This is just a genre of music. But what we have now is a complete total departure. Oh, completely. And I understand, like, it's a new age. And it would make sense that as a society, we've decided that numbers, computers, electronics are like the thing. They have become center in our lives in every single way. So then why wouldn't they be center in our lives in music? That is the audio tune. That is the DJ. That is all of those things. But my heart weeps for the singer. My heart weeps. Good, because we got a tough time right now. Right? It's (laughs) tough. And it's tough for people who like to hear people sing. And I guess my problem with country, it's not my really my problem. Mm -hmm. But the thing with country is to me in this moment, that and R&B, which you have to go search. Those are the only two places where you can hear people actually still singing. Correct. Totally correct. That sucks. Yeah, I agree. But why are people buying crappy, crappy music? Because that's what's been fed to them. Uh, just because, just because it's there doesn't mean you need to eat it. Like, but there are people who have always been music. We'll go see that band. Who will go find that random album? Who like are in the underbelly uh-huh. of music? So there's totally an underground that has super talented people, but they're not going to get the the money or the accolades. That's right. Just, no, the, absolutely. The, the and there are, and there are people who will search that out. Like I need this quality music thing in my life and I will do what it takes. But it's so difficult because I try to do that. And it's like, you have to go through so many, so many holes and avenues just to get, just to get that, just to get it. And so, and right. I recognize that. But like for the average Joe, we are consuming what is fed to us on TV shows and in credits, over Uh credits. 
We're consuming what we hear on the radio. We're consuming what we hear, I don't know, just like in our everyday walk, walking in life. And it's not about the search. Like, that's what pop music is. Like, what are you serving me on a platter? Right. That's what I'm going to take. So if you're not serving beats and melodies on a platter, I don't have any of that. Okay. Unless I'm into country music, which is the most popular genre of music in their country. So, Mm -hmm. but if you're not into that, you don't have any beats or melodies. You really don't. And I'm sorry, I have to go back to Sam Smith. Yes, please. Because uh, back in the whole appropriations topic, not only do we have consumers not appreciating or valuing the Black influence in music, you have artists who also don't value the history and influence of Black artists in music. Is he's British? He is British. Right, because I'm thinking about him and Adele. No, Adele, I see... The difference. Jesse J. Uh huh. Like I, and this happens often, but I think the fact that they're not American allows them to do some sort of like leap of imagination about the origins of black music. Right, they get to because this is the legacy of slavery. Even though they did have slavery, mm-hmm. but the legacy of slavery for people from the UK is very, very different. They're they've allowed themselves to say, oh, "Well, yeah, it's Aretha Franklin is one of my influences," uh-huh. without having that history on their shoulder. So I'm gonna wail. I'm going to run. I'm going to do all of these things as a white person. Uh-huh. And just do them and you're going to buy it and you're going to love it without having to reckon and acknowledge and reconcile what is happening in the way in which an American would have to. And sometimes we don't make them. We go, oh, we'll just give you a pass. As in Justin Timberlake, who was a, really a star before he mm-hmm. did that. Right? Like those three, if they were American, would it would be very different. So, I mean, what you said about those uh, three UK artists, um, let's unpack that a little bit. Those three artists in particular are a carryover from Blue-Eyed Soul. Mm -hmm. And the best example I can give of Blue-Eyed Soul being an issue in music is going back to Burt Bacharach and Dionne Warwick. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Dionne Warwick is definitely a well-known name in her own right. You know, she's got the accolades, she's got the Grammys, she's got everything. However, across the pond, Dionne Warwick is not the same name that she is over here. And that's because Burt Bacharach was a writer who would pen these songs. And a lot of them, he would work out with Dionne Warwick. And she'd be the first one to record them. 
So she would release it, it would do whatever it did, but then he would take it to these other artists, mainly in the UK, like Dusty Springfield, and it would blow up. And so for me, that is... That was my first experience with Blue-Eyed Soul. or And I enjoy those artists, but I put them in a different category. I put them elsewhere. <laughs> I love Dusty Springsfield, but I'm not going to listen to her at the same time as Dionne Warwick. I'm just not. That's fair. But when you think about these three artists, how they... I believe UK artists who are still doing soul music, they have a reverence for where the music came from. Because if you look at Adele, she is so appreciative. So she she's always talking about Beyonce's music. She is always giving credit to where credit's due. She acknowledges that Bruno Mars wrote one of her most popular songs. She she acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. Jessie J, she's always doing tributes to Tony Braxton and all these other black artists. She is giving it up. Sam Smith, however. Yeah. He had the audacity to say that he didn't really care for Michael Jackson. Yeah, he said that. He was on a boat with Adam Lambert, actually, at the time. Don't get me started with him. But, yeah, he had the audacity say he didn't really care for Michael Jackson's music. And I'm just like, do you not understand that your first album wouldn't be what it is without who's loving you? Uh-huh. Like, Michael Jackson in his teenage years was producing better music than you could ever dream. Oh. And influence your music in such a heavy way. There would be no R&B for pioneers like Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, the Motown sound. There would be no Sam Smith. So the fact that you can sit in all of your privilege and say you don't care for Michael Jackson's music, I'm sorry, fuck you. Now, on that list of three, he's the only man. Mm -hmm, Yes. (laughs) Yes, he is. Does that play into that? I don't think so. Because... I can think of other males in UK that I truly love. James Blake, um, so many others. And they they come across the pond. They work with American writers, a lot of them black and producers, and they give it up. They don't win accolades over here. They don't win, you know, statues and stuff over here like Adele does. But as far as the reverence for the Black influence in music, I think they still have it. Sam Smith has gotten to a point where I think he's feeling himself. Mm -hmm. That he can just flippantly say something like that without thinking about what has gotten him to where he is. And so, yes, he's the only male on that list, but he's also a gay male and he should know better than to just say something without thinking first. Maybe he thought about it. Well, he thought about it and he made the wrong decision. <laughs> like maybe he thought about it and that's what he came up with. 
Because I mean, I mean, so many rockers in general acknowledge the black influence <laughs> in music. And I'm actually going to read this now because I talked about Sister Rosetta Tharp and I talked about Little Richard, mm-hmm. who is the architect of rock and roll. If you want to call Elvis the king, fine, but there were other people before him. There's another man named Chuck Berry, who in the 1950s penned and recorded so many songs that, you know, white rockers and musicians have basically plagiarized from. I'm going to read a few of those songs just because people don't seem to understand exactly how much I'm quote unquote influence blacks have had in their most popular songs. The Beach Boys Surfing USA takes a lot from Chuck Berry's Sweet Little 16. The Beach Boys Fun 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 Berry's Johnny Be Good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Beatles. I can honestly do a whole podcast on the Beatles and what I think about them, but we're we're not going to go there today. The Beatles, I saw her standing there, sounds a lot like Chuck Berry's I'm Talking About You. The Beatles Come Together, one of my favorite songs by the Beatles and my favorite rendition of the song was actually done by Joe Cocker in Across the Universe. Love that version. That song was basically taken from Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. Yeah. The Rolling Stones, Brown Sugar, sounds a lot like Berry's Johnny Be Good, which was also used in an earlier song from another rock. And like, this isn't, this, these aren't hard to find. Like, this has been on PBS. There's another list that was done um, on SBS about Elvis Presley and SBS's Action Australian site. Like, so like around the world, everyone knows about Chuck Berry. But if you ask somebody on the street about Chuck Berry, they're like, who the fuck are you talking about? The idea of that. They can love, they can love the Beatles, love Abbey Road and some of the songs, but they will never know who these rock artists looked up to and some plagiarized from. And they even acknowledged it when he died. Bruce Springsteen wrote on Twitter, rest in peace, Chuck Berry, the genesis behind the great sound of rock and roll. Mick Jagger wrote that all of us in rock have now lost our father. And that is music engraved inside us forever. So like they acknowledge it, they know it, but why don't we know about these artists because they've just we've just been wiped clean they've been whitewashed and they've been lost much like beethoven yes folks beethoven was mixed he was a more half more and if you don't know what a more is please look it up his mother was a more there's only like two pictures of beethoven that even look black but yeah, it's, it's a whole whitewashing of the great things that we create. That's why I like. 
It wasn't him being deaf. You don't like deaf guys? I mean, <laughs> I'm open. But <laughs> <laughs> Beethoven, particularly in his later years. Mm-hmm. I guess when he was deaf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when he's closer to yeah, Beethoven. So yeah, they've been doing it forever. I'm definitely tipsy. Really? BT dubs. Oh yeah. Well, you got farther than the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, well, bubbles. Like bubbles just go straight to your head, anyways. Mm. For me, for anyways. Um, but yeah. If anybody's wondering where they can find these drinks, you can find pictures and some information about it on our Instagram if you would like. But as for us, we're going to go enjoy the rest of that bottle. We have to kill that bottle now. Where is it? Oh, I put it in the refrigerator. Yes, we got to kill it. So y'all have a good night. Good night. <laughs> Booze and Facts with Blacks is produced and edited by Christian Allen. Cocktails prepared by Kim Shaw. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at BFWB Podcast. Please like, rate, and subscribe. We obviously love booze, so please drink responsibly. 21 and up and all that jazz. Thank you for listening. See you next week.